Welcome to Kids Read Radio, the official podcast for FVRL Kids, a great place to discover reading picks and more. Hello, my name is Dana Ionson. I'm a librarian at the Fraser Valley Regional Library and the Reading Link Challenge Coordinator. Today I'm going to introduce you to the set of six books that students in grades 4 and 5 will be reading for this year's Reading Link Challenge. The first book I'm going to introduce is Home Sweet Motel by Chris Grabenstein. P.T. Wilkie lives at the Wonderland Motel in St. Pete's Beach, Florida. It's kid heaven. There's daily cleaning service in his room, an ice machine, a pool, and a new soft-serve ice cream dispenser. It's free and bottomless. In 1970, P.T.'s grandpa opened the motel with the idea to turn it into a tourist attraction. But one year later, a guy named Walt opened his own land down the road in Orlando. You can probably guess whose property became a destination. P.T. lives in the motel with his mom and grandpa. His mom struggles to keep the motel in business, while his grandpa enjoys entertaining guests, reminiscing about the past, and tinkering with his displays. P.T. is looking forward to a spring break full of fun in the sun and freedom from his teacher, Mr. Frunkies. When P.T. walks into the lobby of the Wonderland on Friday afternoon of his holiday, his mom is talking to a guy in a dark suit. According to P.T., nobody wears a dark suit in Florida, unless they are going to a funeral or have something super serious to discuss. Turns out the dark-suited man is from the bank, and the bank is cashing in on a loan that P.T.'s grandfather took out in secret. Now the Wonderland Motel needs to pay the bank back, $100,000 in one month, or the bank will sell the motel to the highest bidder. Immediately, P.T.'s mom cuts back on everything she can. Cleaning staff, let go. Pool vacuum, sold. P.T. will clean the pool from now on. Ice cream machine, sent back. Daily donuts from the buffet, now for paying guests only. P.T.'s family needs to fill the rooms, and quickly. Is there a way to make the Wonderland into the destination his grandpa always dreamed of? P.T. is determined to make it so. P.T.'s carefree nature and his love for his family and their motel shine through in this funny book. The next book up is Life According to Og the Frog by Betty Burney. Og the Frog is new to school. He went from his lively life in the swamp to room 27 in Longfellow School, a very confusing place. Children clear out the classroom, and they all seem to think that Og should say ribbit, when green frogs like Og say boing. Og's new neighbor George is a bullfrog, the bully of the swamp, and he won't stop making his call. Rum, 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 rum. Og has no idea why he's here. Thankfully, the teacher in room 27 realizes that Og is not a good fit for her classroom, and he is moved down the hall to room 26, Mrs. Brisbane's class. He has a new neighbor, a furry fellow named Humphrey. Humphrey is a curious creature indeed. He squeaks, runs on his wheel, leaves his cage at night, and writes in a notebook he keeps hidden in his cage. Humphrey is friendly, Mrs. Brisbane is calm and smart, and the kids seem to like Og. Og is adjusting to life at Longfellow School. He has time to do what he likes best. Float, doze, be. Og can let his mind wander and write new poems and songs. Turns out some of the lessons that Og learned back in the swamp from Granny Greenleaf and Uncle Chinwag are applicable here. Keep tidy, 
Silliness has its place, and always listen. Og is supportive of the kids, and he seems to be helping Tabitha, who is new to the school and has a new foster mom. One day, Mrs. Brisbane tells the class that Og used to live free in Mackenzie's Marsh until he was captured by a student's grandfather. The students are horrified. They want to take Og back to the swamp. Og is confused. He likes his students and his new job. Why don't they want him around? Will he be the first classroom pet to lose his job? In this heartwarming book, find out about the relationships between animals and the people in their lives. If you like Og the Frog, you'll enjoy reading the other books in the Og series. And there are more books about Longfellow's school from Humphrey's perspective in the series The World According to Humphrey. The third book is The Case of Windy Lake by Michael Hutchinson. Tensions are high on the Windy Lake First Nation Reserve. Protesters clash with the local mining company, and an archaeologist working for the mine is missing. Enter the Mighty Muskrats, four cousins who always have their fingers on the pulse of their community. Chickadee is the only girl in the group. She is cute, with chubby cheeks and freckles, but don't underestimate her ability to dig up information. Atim is the oldest, the strongest, and the hungriest. Atim's little brother Samuel is the closest thing to a leader the group has. And then there's Otter, who was raised by his grandfather after his parents died. Otter is the most bush-savvy of the muskrats. After the muskrats hear First Nations police officer Uncle Levi discussing the missing archaeologist with their grandfather, they decide that they will be the ones to find him. The muskrats club headquarters is a rusted-out bombardier, a cross between a van and a snowmobile. From here, the muskrats chuck everywhere and with everyone they can think of. The archaeologist's boat turns up on the delta of Windy Lake, but there are no tracks or signs of the professor anywhere. The elders seem to want the searchers to stay away from the snake pits, and the mining company boss seems more unhinged than usual. The muskrats follow the evidence, but with clues that are more confusing than helpful. Where can they turn to next? This mystery is full of twists and turns and is set on a contemporary First Nations reserve. The fourth book is Sled Dog School by Terry Lynn Johnson. 11-year-old Matt comes from an unconventional family. His parents moved from Detroit to the outskirts of a small town in Michigan to live off the grid. They have no electricity and no running water. The family uses propane lights, a wood-burning stove, a well for water, and an outhouse. Matt's back-to-the-land parents are raising Matt and his six-year-old sister Lily to be free-range kids. This means they have little in the way of rules and supervision, and without electricity, there's no TV to watch, internet to browse, or video games to play. Matt's unusual lifestyle and family don't earn Matt any popularity points at school. Struggling with academics and relentless taunting by school bullies, Matt most enjoys spending his time woodcarving and running his sled dog team. Matt's worst subject is math. He is failing when his teacher announces an extra credit project that could keep Matt out of the remedial class. The assignment is to create a small business, but Matt can't just set up a lemonade stand and call it a day. He needs to make a business plan, show operating costs, calculate his salary, run the business for six weeks, and have at least three clients in order to gain the bonus marks. Matt decides his business will be a sled dog school. He already has the knowledge, the dogs, and all the equipment. Teaching people to do his favorite thing should be easy, 
He puts up posters around town and is ecstatic when he gets a phone call a few days later from a kid named Tubbs. Tubbs is the opposite of Matt. He doesn't like exercise, is uncoordinated, and knows very little about dogs. Tubbs arrives with his golden retriever, Flute, thinking that the sled dogging lessons will be good obedience training for Flute. The working sled dogs look at Flute and see a tasty snack. Matt needs to get his unathletic student racing around on a sled, as well as attract two more people to his school. This might be tougher than he thought. I love this story because of the fast-paced action and fascinating details about sled dogs. For 12 years, the author Terry worked during the summer as a backcountry canoe ranger, and in the winter, she ran her team of 18 husky sled dogs. Her experience working with animals comes across in this engrossing book. The fifth book is Three Times Lucky by Sheila Turnage. Moses LeBeau lives in a small town in North Carolina where everyone's business is fair game and no secret is sacred. Mo washed ashore in a hurricane 11 years ago and she's been making waves ever since. Although Mo hopes someday to find her upstream mother, she's found a home with the Colonel, a cafe owner with a forgotten past of his own, and Miss Lana, the fabulous cafe hostess. Mo will protect those she loves with every bit of her strong will and tough attitude. So when a lawman comes to town asking about a murder, Mo and her best friend Dale Earnhardt Johnson III set out to uncover the truth in hopes of saving the only family Mo has ever known. Three Times Lucky is full of wisdom, grit, and optimism. This hilarious debut is brimming with the kind of characters you meet once in a lifetime. It is a perfect mix of snarkiness, action, and a whole lot of heart. This is the first book in the Desperado Detective series, so if you like this one, there are three more mysteries to sink your teeth into. The last book is called Unusual Chickens for the Exceptional Poultry Farmer by Kelly Jones. Sophie Brown is not enjoying her new life. Her family, mom, dad, and Sophie, moved from L.A. to the country. In L.A., Sophie fit in. She knew her way around and spent lots of time with her cousins, aunts, uncles, and friends. In Sophie's new town, there is only one other brown person besides Sophie and her mom, and she has nowhere to go and no one to visit. When Sophie's Uncle Jim died, he left his farm to Sophie's dad. Sophie's parents decided to make a move. Sophie's dad was out of work, and a free place to live seemed too good to turn down. Sophie pictured green rolling hills, frolicking animals, and a bright red barn. Uncle Jim's farm is more like a boring garden. There are weeds, grapevines with no grapes, and outbuildings crammed with broken machinery and tools. Uncle Jim never threw away anything, and he didn't leave them any animals. Sophie does find some interesting things in the barn, a typewriter and a flyer. The typewriter still works. She starts composing letters to her dead relatives, some to her dead Abdulita, and others to her Uncle Jim. These are like a diary. As she writes to her relatives, she vents her frustrations and is able to see some possibilities in her new life. The flyer Sophie finds is for Redwood Farm Supply. They advertise unusual chickens. She writes to them to ask for a catalog. Before a catalog arrives, Sophie realizes that there are already some unusual chickens living on the property. A brown chicken who runs so fast Sophie only sees a brown smudge, and a white chicken who can make objects move using her mind. Sophie writes back to Redwood Farm and asks for advice. 
how best to take care of these unusual animals. The response from Agnes at Redwood is even more unusual than the chickens. If you like books that mix magic with real life, you will enjoy this book about a determined girl and her very unusual chickens. There you have it, this year's six books. Reading Link Challengers, your job is to read and study these books before the challenges begin. Happy reading and good luck! To listen to more recommendations from Fraser Valley Regional Library staff, go to our website, ferl.ca. There you'll find past episodes plus other great services to help you decide what to read, watch, or listen to next. 